Hey, what's going on, Big MX Radio listeners? First of all, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. These podcasts are so much fun to do, and like I get into it with um, Eric Sorby a little bit here, this is not work for me whatsoever. I hope that you guys are enjoying these. I hope that you're sharing them on your story and passing them on to one like-minded individual. That's the little fee that uh, that I do charge for the Big MX Radio podcast. I hope you're paying it. Um, and we got more coming down the pipe here. Uh, trying to put up new podcasts Tuesdays and Thursday mornings faithfully. Uh, and if we can keep to that, I think that we'll put out some really, really cool content. This guy, Eric Sorby, is somebody who uh, I really enjoyed watching as, uh, as a young person. Uh, you probably get into it a little bit as far as uh, why it was so confusing as to how his results used to fluctuate so much. Uh, he really kind of gets into as to... Um, sort of some reasons behind uh, some of the things that maybe he struggled with during both his professional career and then afterwards. Pretty wild stuff. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And and thanks again to Eric for making the time for us. Uh, He was all the way in Portugal as I was here in Canada. We lined up the the time zones and uh, made something happen. So enjoy this podcast. Share it with a friend or family. Uh, that likes motocross, loves motocross, and uh, if anybody can share this on their story, um, that would be greatly appreciated as well. As always, thanks for listening. Now here's Eric Sorby. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, Alpine Star MX, Fox Racing, as well as Tear Off Gaskets. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts this episode. 811 of the Big MX Radio podcast. We thank you very much for listening, and we have a huge thank you to the guy on the line, someone who I looked up to growing up, someone who just absolute tons of talent, tons of headlines, and uh, and I'm sure uh, a pleasure for a lot of photographers to get a picture of this guy racing because he had a great style. Uh, he's from the, the country of France. He's a 917 in your program, number one in your heart. Eric Sorby. Eric, how's it going? Hey, good mate. Thanks, thanks. I appreciate you have me on the on the podcast, and uh, I'm doing great. You know, I'm just um, uh, just uh, what ten years old. And when I left America, so I'm 42, and uh, I'm feeling uh, as young as before. So <laughs> everything is great. Young at heart, and, and still loving the sport of motocross. Before we dial the clocks back to where your story began. Uh, what are you up to these days? It looks like you've been doing some coaching and riding uh, instruction and also taking some uh, some MXGP guys under your wing where you're currently located in the great uh, the great country of Portugal. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I'm still in, in the sport. You know, I have a, I have a motocross school in Portugal and also I still, um, I still uh, go to most of the GPs. Uh, last year, I was working for uh, 114 Motorsport. It's a 250, um, 250 team where I have two uh, Aussie riders, Nathan Crawford and Bailey Markovich. Okay. And also, I work I work with uh, Mitch Evans, who was riding uh, for HRC uh, Honda for last year and this year, actually. And um, I've been working with him for... It's going to be the third year now, so... I enjoy. I'm still uh, still traveling a lot and still uh, trying to give my advice from uh, from what I learned from before. You know, when I was with James or when I was racing or when I was 
helping um, also Barsha a bunch of times. And for what I learned from racing, the good and the bad thing I did in, in my racing. And uh, so, yeah, I tried to help my rider as much as I can. Well, absolutely. Like any any career you have in the sport of motocross, you're going to pick up a ton of lessons learned. Uh, some done the hard way, some done the easy way, but either way, as long as you learn from them, that's really what's important. Um, and it's great for, uh, to see you being able to give back. Like you, you, you go through the whole career. Um, a lot of riders kind of find to themselves, like what's next? Um, what, what, what's going to be the next step in my life and, uh, giving back and being able to, uh, like explain how to attack certain conditions. Uh, and I, th- I think I really like the fact that you're someone who's able to do that because, um, when I look at your career and I remember what I remember about Eric Sorby racing supercross is that there was no shortage of talent. There was no shortage of ability on two wheels. Um, I think there was a couple of times or maybe uh, some deviation of, of your focus and um, times where uh, like some, just some, like maybe you could agree or disagree that your own, your own worst enemy a couple of times throughout your motocross career, yeah. but being able to pass, pass on those, those lessons and say, Hey, um, like whoever I'm working with, don't make the mistakes that I made. Here's how to correct that, that uh, technique. Here's how I did blank. Um, I think that's really, really powerful. And, uh, the ability to, uh, to communicate with that, some, with some, some young guys, that's got to feel good, especially when you see their results get better on the track. Yeah, no, exactly. You, you, you just write about everything. You just, you just say like me, like, I have, I have some good results in America. You know, I have a bunch of podium, supercross, and we won some heat race with uh, Chad Reed, Baba, a um, bunch of top uh, eight on the 450 class, and I lead uh, maybe 20 something lap when Wyndham, uh, Ricky, Chad, Baba, all the top guys were here. So I learned I a lot. You know, I have a lot of experience and and I did a lot, like you say, like uh, I could have some better, better result, but uh, sometimes I was just, just off the pace, you know, not off the pace, just like off my brain, you know. I was, when I came to America, actually, DV helped me to come to America, but like DV has his wife and son and his, his racing and, and everything. And me, I, I came, I was just by myself, you know, I was just a young kid, 22 years old, without making any money in Europe. And I came to America, and exactly four weeks after I landed in Los Angeles, I made over 120 grand because the first three races I was on the podium. That's right. So you go from you go from 25 grand, 30 grand, 25 grand plus the AMA the bonus is over 100 grand. So I made some money right away, and 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 I enjoy life. Not like I start to enjoy life. I always enjoy my life. Since I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little boy, you know. Right. I grew up in the ghetto. I grew up with nothing, and so when I started making money, I was enjoying paying ticket plane for some of my friends to come stay with me, and and just you know buying a big house because I never have anything before, you know. And I, I'm not saying it was the right way, but like I said, my result wasn't that good because I was by myself. I have no one say, Eric, you should put this money right here to buy a house and to buy another house, and you should be more focused on racing than going out to party. You should be 
you should go train and go to the nightclub. You should go sleep at 10 p.m. the day before the race and go into the bed at 5 a.m. drunk and still the next day be on the podium. Or not the next day, the same day, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. 17 so, hours later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 17 hours later, I was on, on, on the main event and top three. And, and that, that night going out again and just, you know, it was like one of my my uh, bad thing about why I didn't win any championship over there because I have the speed and the technique by far, by far, because I'm not be cocky on the phone, but like when you go to some super cross now, and I will remember until I will remember this forever. It was Indianapolis Supercross in 2000. I was still riding for me. So let's say 2004. And that year, Ricky was on I think Ricky was still Honda. There was Ricky, Kedub. Kedub was one of the most technical guys on the track doing big jumps and big rhythm section. He was riding for 50. And James, it was the guy on the 125 was doing crazy stuff. Like, no crazy stuff, like big quad, quad. And I remember that year, it was only James and I on the 125 doing some rhythm section. Kedub came and said, oh, how do you do this over there? So, my point is that I was one of the the best guys on the track, but like I say, I was by myself and not doing the right thing, you know, sometimes, but by choice, uh, when the gate was dropping, you know, bad start and getting mad and taking people out and didn't even care about the result. I was just caring about putting, like example, like me and Travis Preston, we got into on the track so many times. And sometimes I didn't even think that, uh, okay, I have to make the main event. I was like, okay, I have to put this guy down, <laughs> or him, or another guy, you know. Yeah. And it was, but it, it's me, and that's why I had a lot of fun because it was fun to watch. It's like those days when you watch Supercross. Do you really want to watch the 450 main event when you have a Toma confront, Rob's and Beyond, who's not doing anything? And having Barsha eight and Anderson last, no, you want to see Barsha and Anderson be on front, so you know something's gonna happen. You're gonna have a Barsha try to take out Anderson, and or Barsha trying to take out Roxanne or or Thomas. So when you watch now, it's boring. It's fucking boring. If you take Barsha and Anderson off the gate, I won't even watch because it's like watching a cartoon you know yeah they definitely it's kind of follow the leader out there right now especially in the it's heat not, races it's nothing up. dude i remember me when i worked for james and for three years with chad and james is every fucking weekend it was just like a war you know and and it was just great because it was intensity in the pit intensity in the, in the stadium no everyone is sleeping in the stadium, you know, it's and we miss this. Look, example, we are in what 2021. James is retired, like, why well, he stopped racing four or five years ago? I don't remember 2016. Exactly. Was it did he try and race 2016? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Remember when James was doing rhythm section on the track, you have a child who's following doing quad, quad, and whatever, and maybe two other, two other, three guys. Since James is not here opening 
big red section on the track. So there's nothing on the track that someone do different those day. You can watch the A class, the B class, the C class 250 or the 450. They all do the same thing. Double, triple, double turn. On, off. Yeah, before, on, off, it was just quad for everyone. Now it's, it's the, the, I don't know, the racing is, it, it's, it's boring. It's, so I get excited sometimes, you know, when you when you have like a like a Barsha starting on front or on their front, but the rest is like rocks and he can, he can win the championship, but now he has to 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 go and try to take out uh, Cooper, you know. No, you I, I totally agree. To train hard, do you wake up every day to train hard, and at the end of the season be in your bed and say, "Oh, I should have taken him out." And win the championship. No, you don't want to be a shoe dog. Fucking do it. Do it now. Maybe in one year you cannot do it anymore. You know? Absolutely. Well, so, like that, that kind of comes down to the fact that, like, yeah, like a guy like uh, Roxon, he doesn't skip workouts. He doesn't skip doing the meals properly. I don't think he skips his motos or any of the fitness side or any of the intangibles outside of racing the dirt bike. Um, but the one thing that I think if, if you kind of look back at your, um, like say like, actually it's almost like a complete polar opposite as, as to like, say like th- certain things in your career. Cause I, I'm sure you look back and like, oh, I should have trained a little bit more this way, or I should have done more that way. And maybe you think that maybe you don't, and that's fine. But like for at the end of this season, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that Ken Roxon's not going to stay, be kept up a little bit at night saying, it's not that I missed a workout. It's not that I ate shitty and and screwed up my my fitness program. Exactly. It's that I when yeah, when I right. had that uh, the number two in my crosshairs, I so I should have put him in the third row, and and that might exactly. eat at him more than, like than any ago. skipped workout. Like two weeks ago, when uh, Cooper passed him in the whoops, Ken is in the inside, blasting both crash like Chad and James or Ricky and James and and Chad used to do back in the days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate loud and clear, man. Me, no, me, I have no regrets of what I did, you know? I did what I did, and I did, uh, I'm not going to say by myself, because I will be a liar. I have a DV helping me a lot, and even when I was, I was with Mitch, uh, Mitch Payton, and all, all the crew that are behind me, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was going home. I was going on by myself, so I was making my own choice of everything, food, sleep, and my lifestyle. But, yeah, I should have done different things, but I don't think like that. You know, right now, uh, I look, I have, um, I have a great life, great life, even better than before, and, you know, I have a great family, and every day it's like holiday for me, even if I work, you know, I have my training school, and, and I'm traveling to the GPs, but it's, it's, it's a it's a passion, you know, and I don't feel like I'm I'm working when I do this. It's, it's my my lifestyle right now. It's vacation every day. Even if I'm awake at six thirty in the morning and, and go to bed at ten and nonstop, but I don't take this as a work, you know. And um, so I have no regrets of what, what I did. I I just uh, learned a lot, good and bad. And like like you said before, now when you know I work with uh, Mitch Evans is one of the top guys, and he has the um, ability to be world champion on the 450 because he's, he's a really talented rider and he's really, really serious. So, you know, 
for my experience of me and of the, the, the rider I worked before it, I know I help him on the weekend. I don't help him how to ride because he's one of the top guys. But like experience. And and this is this is this is important, you know, on a bad weekend you have to make him feel like it's a great weekend, you know, to have the, the week after the, the, the Sunday to be easy week. And then that's that's why I have no regrets of everything I did. But we we we, we talk about other other stuff later, you know, because yes, I didn't train, and yes, uh, I wasn't serious like my lifestyle. But also, you know, after racing, you know, I went really, really, really bad on drugs, and I went to I went to jail also in 2003, you know, because I fight and I went to jail, and it was I didn't have an easy life in America, but no regrets. Just Fair enough. Well, it's good to. Good, like I, I was curious about that whether or not you had some some sort of I wouldn't say sore feelings but just uh, like like regrets like you said but um, I, I I totally hear the the uh, the no work thing man like honestly like obviously I I, I am <clears throat> currently my employment is uh, as a bricklayer I, I work construction for a living uh, but this and like I have the podcast but this is not work being able to call up. Um, someone who I looked up to and, and talk about my favorite sport and sort of completely dissect uh, their career and their life within the sport that I love. That's not work whatsoever. And that's why I continue to do these podcasts. And um, it's great to hear that uh, although you have had some, some tough times through it and, and completely relocating yourself, not only to uh, another country, but another country that you're, uh, you're not accustomed to completely different culture, completely different language uh, and to transplant yourself, that must have been very difficult. Yes, yes, it was. I mean, it was difficult. You know, when you're 22 years old and you go to America, it's it's great. America, it's. I'm not going to say the, the 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 best and the great country in the world, but it's it's a badass place. You know, you have everything you want, 24/7. Whatever you want to do, you have in America. And but it was really hard at the beginning because I didn't speak English at all. And 10 days after I landed in LAX, I went to Houston and I got third. So, I mean, when you get third, you go on a podium. And when you go on a podium, you have an interview. So, the, the, I remember it was maybe Erin Bate yeah. back then, something like that. She talked for like two minutes, blah, 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 blah. And she gave me the mic. What? what? <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to say? Très bien. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. I was just like, whatever. I don't remember what I said, but probably nothing because I didn't speak English at all. And right after that, going to the press conference, it was like all oh, those guys ask, asking me questions. And so the first press conference, they didn't get any feedback. But after that, I took a DV with me and it was, it was better. And I, and I started to learn English and it was better and better. There you go, and you speak uh, pretty good English now. Do you speak some Portuguese uh, if you're uh, if you're in Portugal? Are you like uh, you, you become accustomed with that language too? Oh, uh, I start to speak Portuguese a little bit. Yeah, um, I uh, I understand a lot, but I don't really speak too much at the moment. But I will, I will. And my English was way better before, but but. Uh, uh, I lose a little bit of my English, but I try to. I read every day on, you know, on the internet and stuff like that. And even my writers I work with, mostly they speak English. But 
it was easier when I used to live with a with the Baba's family, you know, because it's 25, just English, 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 English. But but uh, no, this country is Portugal is nice. I love it. I love it. But where I live in Portugal is the south. So the south is a lot of English people who come live here. Okay. And because uh, you're not in the Azores you know, you at a... all, you're you're in your mainland. Excuse me. You're not like the Azores, the like the islands. There's like there's two basically two different regions of Portugal for those who don't know. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. Those islands is it? It's only an hour and a half away from where I live on the plane, but it's too small. And uh, I live on the island before, and I don't like. I feel like I'm in jail because <laughs> every time you want to do something, you have to take the plane. So me, uh, if I decide at two in the morning to take all my family and go on vacation and drive for twenty hours, I can go. But when you live on the island. No, no, no. And on the island, everyone knows everyone. And it's it's like li- living on a runabout, you know. At the beginning, is great. And after that, you just do cycle. So, no. Fair I like enough. to move forward in life. <laughs> so, like, let, let's turn the clocks all the way back. Before before the podiums and before uh, David Villeman, the great David Villeman, who I, at one point, would love to have on this show, uh, invited you to come over and... and coordinated things with Mitch Payton. Maybe we can get into the story of how that even came together, but where does Eric Sorby first get introduced to motocross? What was the first bike and, and how quickly did you sort of adapt to it and start to uh, um, kind of find some success uh, racing in, uh, in France? And, and like, given your age, I guess you were probably okay. like racing against guys like, well, Pashan might be a little bit older than you, but like, who are you racing against? Are you racing against Sebastian or who? Uh, actually, I ride um, with um, Sebastian Tortelli, mm-hmm. Stefano Roncara, DV. Right. But I, I ride with them when I came to 125 because when I ride 65 and 85, I was a little bit younger than okay. all those guys. So they were like one or two years ahead of me every time. Right. And I start when I was five years old and doing some local race and I start to win right away, you know, and... Uh, Winning a small championship and winning French championship and on the 85 I won the European championship and and won 25 the same you know and da 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 I raced GP when I was um, 17 years old I was doing not too good but like around like 15 and 20 and in 2000 2000 yeah in 2000 I raced GP 120 or 2000 or 2001 right GP125 and best result it was like a bunch of top 10 you know yeah but it was super hard because I ride a Honda and it was like maybe three Honda and 25 KTM already back in 2001 okay so they good bikes back so then. Was, excuse me the the KTMs were good bikes they had like the the air boot that went basically went straight into mm-hmm. the carburetor those things went pretty fast yeah. yes 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 and when I, I raced GP, I raced against uh, Langston, uh, Jamie Dobb, Mike Brown was in Europe also. And, uh, yeah, 2000. So, yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's in 2002, that's when I came to America. So, how does that come together? Uh, obviously, like DV had already started coming over in yep. 1998. He he raced and, and did well, uh, and then he already at that point was uh, was racing like he's beating Jeremy McGrath in Supercrosses, <laughs> and, and in two thousand two he he had uh, the points lead for a bit there. Um, 
side note, I hope you didn't end up wearing Oxbow gear at some point. That was ugly. Nope. Nope. Good. No, no, no. I don't that do, was maybe I the don't worst. Do gay shit. But, yeah, yeah, I don't do gay shit. But yeah. you know what? He had a good pay. I, I know he had a good paycheck. So, you know, sometimes you do what you got to do, right? <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we we give you 200, 200, 200 G to wear Oxbow. I wear Oxbow. Eh? I get a tattoo in my in my in my shoulder if I have to. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So how'd that come together though? How did how did Eric Sorby, who's knocking down top ten finishes in uh, um, in the GPs, in, uh, in, get connected to race so, uh, for for Mitch Payton? And, and uh, maybe you can get into some some of your first uh, like first time you met Mitch Payton and how how that went. Oh, I'm, I met Mitch Payton way before I came to America because okay. I uh, used to come to Bercy Supercross. Of course. And actually, two or three years before I came to America, uh, I think Shea Benley was supposed to race Bercy. And for some reason, he got hurt. But uh, he got hurt the week before uh, flying to Supercross of Bercy. And uh, so everyone else came to Bercy uh, because there was another rider. Maybe it was Justin Buckley or something like that. Yep. Or Ramsey, maybe maybe Ramsey, I don't know. And um, so me, I was riding Kawasaki, and I was one of the the the, the young kids coming to the main class and and be like the 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 next one, you know. And Mitch talked to talked to my team manager. I said, we have a we have a PC engine here. If you guys want to to ride the PC engine for for those three nights, you can. And I was leading the French championship. Oh, me, I said, okay, yeah, let's take the PC engine. Half oh, first main event of the, the race, I blew up the engine, so I lose the championship. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, one of the mechanics forget to put um, a clip, a, a little piece inside the piston or something like that. So anyway, okay, so I know Mitch before I came to America. And I know Mitch also after the Supercross, we went to the after party and I was, you know, party like a rock star, you know? champagne and smoking cigarettes, you know, to be cool. <laughs> so that's the, the that's the memory of Mitch knowing me. So two thousand two I wanted to come to America and ask DV, hey DV, I need to come to I want to come race in America. And DV told me say, I don't know, all, all the team have the rider and we were already in February. So February is the championship. It's East and West and everyone signed and and David told me, say, I have to go to PC right now to buy some parts and ship to France for my dad. If I see Mitch, I will ask him if he doesn't have any ride. David go to PC. He saw Mitch. Tell Mitch, say, hey, Mitch, I have a French guy. He's just won the French championship. He won some final in Bercy. Uh, he has some top uh, 10 finish uh, GP last year. And he's a really talented super cross guy. He's really serious. And um, do you have a ride for him? And Mitch say, what's what's his name? And Divi say, oh, Eric Sorby. So last time, I, last time I was with him, he was smoking cigarette and drinking champagne in the middle of the disco in Paris. So, <laughs> and the Mitch say, well, you know what? I only got one rider right now. It's uh, Matt Walker. Because uh, Bobby Bones was hurt, Mike Brown right. and Shea Bentley. So and Shea, the, all those guys were injured. Like Shea Bentley, I, uh, you were probably yep. teammates with him for almost two years, and I don't think he raced at all. Yes, yes. Like 
I yeah, love yeah, Shea, yeah. but that guy was hurt all the time. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. But I think shoulders. Uh, he has some. Um, yeah, shoulder, but also he have a, he, his bones. They were like really like a, a fragile. You know, every time he crashes, just breaking something. Yeah. So Mitch told DB, okay, I have a bike. If he wants to come, I don't buy him a ticket plane. He come, he try the bike, one day supercross, one day motocross, and then we make a choice. So DB say, DB call me and say, oh, if you want to come, you buy your own plane ticket. You come try the bike and uh, and you see. I say, I see what? But you see if Mitch wants to keep you or no. But me, I have a contract in GPs for like a for Honda. So I call my team manager and say, I think it was on Saturday. I say, I think I'm going to America on Monday. And he say, why are you going to America? So well, I'm going just to try the bike, uh, the PC bike. I say, well, but you just signed, <laughs> you signed with me for one year. I say, yeah, but I want to ride Supercross. And my team manager told me, if you go to America Monday, I will uh, break your contract. I say, well, don't wait. And I tell him, then don't wait Monday. Do now, because I'm going on Monday. Monday, I flew to America. Ballsy. No, I flew I flew to America Tuesday. I landed in, in Los Angeles on Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, we ride Supercross. I ride 125 Supercross, and I train all winter in the mud, 250, two-stroke, motocross. So I wasn't prepared to ride uh, supercross, but I was I was really good. I was really technical. Yeah, get you're to surgeon. The, you were like a, I was, regardless of results, you were a surgeon on two wheels. Yes, yes, yes. It was just easy. Even those days, I'm 42 years old. I don't run motocross anymore. But sometimes I can take the motorcycle and do technical stuff. Like okay. like I like, it. like if it was 20 years ago, it's it's it's, it's weird. I still have it. I still have something, but it's it's beyond. So I get to the carway track, and uh, it was like the box end, and one mechanic, and me, and one of the French guys. And I see one car coming, Mitch, and another car, and it was like maybe ten guys for just for me. Big pressure. The supercross is just big whoops, like back in the days. Not those kind of whoops they have now, where you can go three and three or quad and quad back in the days is you skip or you crash or you go around that's it so everyone a big pressure and i did really well the first day super cross i was scaring the whoops really slow really slow really slow but i did the job and that was on wednesday and Mitch said, I want to see you ride motocross. So the next day is Thursday, and it's everyone in America, in California, on Thursday, they go to Glen Helen. Glen Helen, baby. Yes, yes, Glen Helen. And, but in February, everyone was supercross. No one go to Glen Helen on Thursday. But guess what? Wednesday night, it rained all night. So we show up to Glen Helen with all the, all the team. I mean, me, I show up with Mitch, but that was... Yamaha Offshore with Chad Riddle, ETF, and Brock Sellard, and everyone, also Ricky, everyone. You name all the factory teams that were at Glen Ellen on Thursday morning, and guess what? Beside Chad, I smoked everyone on the 125. Mitch like was it. standing up. He was like, Mitch was standing up. Mitch was standing and up? So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mitch was standing up. 
you know, like he was just, he was looking at me like, what the fuck? What, what, what just happened now? And it's Thursday around one o'clock and he, it's Mitch, you know, Mitch likes to play and he's like, so you like America? I didn't speak English, but I understand what he said. I say yes. He said, you want to race? I said, like, yes. He said, okay, now you have to train. You have nine days until the press day in Houston. Okay. He said, tomorrow morning, a super cross track. So I get in my car and drive him back to Los Angeles, Dri- driving back to Corona. I leave Glen Ellen and I'm driving and I'm driving and I calling my friend and say, okay, I got the deal and I will race in Houston and I'm driving and I'm driving. And you know, you're in America, you're just a young kid and excited and I'm driving and I'm driving. Did I see the, the, the sign, Las Vegas? <laughs> Las, Ve- uh, Las Vegas, like 100, 160 miles. I'm like, Las Vegas? And you know, back then, uh, it's not like now, you know, with the iPhone or any kind of phone, you you got the GPS and you know where you are. In 2001, it wasn't like this. And I'm like, Las Vegas? No, it's not the right direction. I remember I called DV. DV was um, was in the East Coast. And I said, DV. And uh, I left Glenelan to drive to to Pro Circuit because my hotel is over there. But I've been driving for two hours and I see the sign of Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, he said, oh, you went the wrong way. You went I on the 15, 15 driving... North. Oh, I was I, I passed Barstow and all this kind of city. Yeah. So anyway, I turn around and say, okay, I have to go to Los Angeles. Because I thought Corona was close to Los Angeles. Yes, it is close, but not that close. So Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and I drive for like two years, and I end up in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> so anyway, so there was just that. That was my first two days in America, and um, and uh, I trained for one week, and I went to Houston, and um, first race, uh, first podium. That's it. Easy and simple. Boom. Right in behind your yep. teammate Matt Walker, who I can only imagine yes. the two of you. Um, couldn't be more different, but also similar in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. And then uh, behind your what what would become nemesis in uh, in in Travis Preston. Tell like what else do you remember about that race? That race, uh, Andrew shot past me. Maybe it was four laps to go, and I I, I didn't take him out, but I made a pass to to get third. Uh, I remember Mitch was right before of the face of the of the triple. He was on the side between the, the between the stand and the track. You know where you have the asphalt. He was right here. Yeah, he's and a I remember the, the last lap. He was he was like his hand on, on his wheelchair, but he was not standing up, but up on the chair, like just just happy for me and happy because he has no result all year. And that night, my walker won and. That kid who came from nowhere got third, and uh, it was just it was just amazing. And me, my dream when I was kid, uh, one dream I said, oh, I would like to have one trophy from America. So my dream was it was I realized my dream after ten days. For me, Pretty that's good. it. I I never say I wanna I wanna be world champion. I wanna win championship. I wanted to do some stuff in my life. Win the Supercross in Bercy, which I did. Go to America and have a trophy. I did. 
Uh, I wanted to win a, a main event. I almost did in Vegas. I was it was a Las Vegas uh, East and West shootout. And uh, that's the year when James crashed really bad. Uh, oh, th- oh three. Five. Yes. Oh, three. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and why'd you get 19th? Pretty... Excuse me? I said, why did you get 19th? <laughs> James got 20th. Yes. But you know what? Because uh, my engine blew up. Oh, okay. I had not yes, know that. I was. I, go back yeah, and watch I came from me. I came from mid pack to first. Easy. Andrew Short was second. I passed him. Uh, it was like uh, lap eight, and I was second, second and a half, faster than everyone. And I was leading easy, and uh, and I started to feel the bike a little bit weird. I was. It was not easy to jump the triple. I was casing the triple. I was missing speed in whoops, and uh, and and. And from one lap to another one, I said, something wrong. And I'm, I made a crash in the woods, got up, and I did half lap, and the bike blew up. That's so disappointing. Like, that's, that's, that's got, that, that can't feel thing. good. No, that's, honestly, this, it's still in my heart. I have this little pain in me that <laughs> I didn't win, but that's it. The rest is just, I enjoy every single day, everything I did, good and bad in America, or, have uh, no, no regrets or whatever. Yeah, like, let's talk about, like, just that first season, 2002. Uh, of course, you, uh, at, at some point, you start foxing with uh, Preston. That's where that's when you guys really became friends. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys were getting along there. But not a single race outside the top ten. Um, and, and then you, you, you also, you had some success outdoors as well that year. Of course, James is just yes, out front kicking yes. everyone's ass. But um, like that O2 Kawasaki, that must have been a pretty solid bike. Um, James was good on it. Uh, the entire Pro Circuit team was good on it. Uh, I th- if I'm not mistaken, Brownie came back for outdoors and ends up getting hurt pretty early. Uh, what do you remember about your first year racing outdoors, including your first podium at High Point in uh, uh, Pennsylvania? The uh, yeah. that, that was a solid race for you. Six, you up six three, but to finish behind. Uh, Brandon Jessman and uh, yeah. Chad Reed. Was Ryan Hughes? Rhino? Uh, yeah. Um, no, that that was in 2002 or th- 2003. You were uh, different in Hangtown 2003. You were just behind Ryan Hughes. Yes, yes. Uh, had that first year's motocross, what I remember, I, I remember it was really, really hot and humid going east. And it was super, super hard for me. And I, I enjoy it to ride motocross, but like I didn't enjoy the traveling part. It was mm-hmm. just super, super, super bad. You know, when you go from west to east, you are too plain and you, you land in the middle of nowhere. You get a rental car on Friday at uh, 6 p.m. because you, you, flew, you travel all day. You never have a really straight flight from California to to, to, to the east coast and you have to land in whatever and from whatever I go to another whatever and it was just horrible getting my own rental car and just getting lost and it was just getting to the hotel on Friday night around 10 or 11 and the next day because back then it used to be the practice on Saturday and it was just bad and I remember on Monday morning flying back to California getting on the first flight 
So you take the flight from 6 a.m. So you got to wake up at 4 a.m., which is 1 a.m. California time. It was just, I didn't enjoy motocross. And, and I mean, honestly, I like if, you, if I look, if I just look at your overall performances in the 2002 outdoors, I'm seeing a guy who's like kind of, you had a couple of good races and then a lot of races sort of in the, the 11 spot. But if I, I'm actually looking through your results right now and almost every single one of those results outside the top 10 was a top five first moto and then a second moto that just didn't work out. Is that a, uh, a sign of uh, some fatigue and fitness or, or what, what did you attribute that to the most? No, honestly, even if I didn't train, I was, I was in good shape because I was just happy. And you know what? When, you, when you're happy in life, yeah. everything is great. Yeah, everything everyone's is great. clicking. So, no, I have some... I have some no bad luck, but like some crashes and some bike problem. Couple of times I remember, oh, I don't remember which track it is where I was again. Uh, first model maybe four, and second model I was in third, and the bike blew up, and and uh, few things like this. Yeah, like, like you, know, Shuba, you went, so you went was, four twenty three, like yes. Probably a crash or, but no, no, not fade like uh, because um, I was not in shape. Even if I was not in shape, uh, I guarantee you, like I was able to finish the thirty minute model easily. Fair I don't know, just uh, yeah, just some so, some crash, some crash, something. It's hard to remember. All right, yeah, it's been it's been a bit, but so two thousand three rolls around. For the most part, a brand new machine from Kawasaki. What do you remember about jumping off the O2 onto the 2003, uh, which like you're still on two strokes, four strokes didn't come around until the following year. Um, in fact, the, basically the first three years, you ended up on basically a completely different motorcycle year year after year, uh, racing with Mitch. Um, but was the 2003 bike a big upgrade from the O2, or was it? Like, pretty similar just obviously different plastics and uh from what i remember the engine package was quite similar yeah yeah it was almost the same and you know when you ride from each it's it's one of one of the best teams so uh, the bike was great always 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 so it was not a big difference from 02 to 03 just the plastic it was like more like it make the bike more tiny mm -hmm. but that's it all for the bike was really fast. I remember that. So oh, four, was the, Go ahead. Yeah, the the, the I remember my one twenty five in you know, four. It was really, really, really fast. Better than the O two and O three by far. So two thousand three. Um, th this is particularly the the year where. Uh, you and Preston uh, get together. Travis Preston and you get together the most. Uh, there's there's words exchanged. Did he ever find you at the practice track and, and ended up getting you? Like, can you can you get into that a little bit as far as uh, like the rivalry between the two of you guys? Because uh, and I, I think in uh, although he got that championship in uh, in 2002, um, as far as the rivalry between the two of you guys, I think you might have got the uh, the upper hand in the end. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, why? Because, you know, Preston came to the Supercross in Bercy, I don't remember which year, and he cleaned me out in front of my crowd. <laughs> and oh, I okay. didn't really like that. And and 
I remember I tell myself, so I will get you back. I don't know how, and I don't know if I will come to America one day, but I will get you. And that, that's how it happened. I have one opportunity to take him out, and I did. And he did it back, which is normal, you know. You don't want to get slapped. So when we slap you, you slap it back. And that's what he did, and it was just keep going and keep going. We did, not every year, but every time, like, we were on the track together, <laughs> it was always something. But we laugh now. We laugh about it. But uh, but he, he got me back uh, really good in uh, maybe 2007 when he was riding for Kawe. He cleaned That's me great. out. Like I flew off. I flew off the bike and I landed on the asphalt like super hard. And uh, and we went to the LCQ after that. And we couldn't have. I I, I think I had a whole shot and he was in seven. He was faster than me, of course. And uh, we could get to the main event easily but I start to fuck around with him and took him out and we didn't make the main event. But um but yeah, that's 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 how happened uh, the the rivalry between uh, him and I. Fair enough. Uh completely unrelated question, but you always ran the, the nine seventeen. what 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 what's the reason behind that number? Why is it special to you? Uh, it's something that like it's become synonymous with you. One of the only guys, uh, maybe it's not, I don't think of maybe five guys off the top of my head who are actually approved to have a, a permanent three-digit number. Why the nine one seven? Because uh, I was seventeen in Europe, and uh, and when I came to America, uh, seventeen was uh, maybe Bobby Reynard back then, something like that. Yeah, Robbie Reynard. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie Reynolds, sorry, not bad. Yeah. And uh, and uh, since like every European when they go to America it was nine something, like TV nine thirty four and right. and some other rider nine something, and I say okay nine seventeen and nine seventeen sounds really good on the on the on the mic nine seventeen. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So you come That's over. It. Are you spending a lot of time with like I, I assume that Roncata and DV didn't get get on very well. Um, but did you spend some time with other French guys? Like, I, like I assume that's probably why you like. I, obviously, this is kind of off topic, but I find I work with a lot of bricklayers that are from like they're from Italy or Portugal or Germany, and they speak their native language at home and that doesn't end up helping them kind of learn English. Uh, is, is that one of the reasons why you, you didn't like, uh, like immediately uh, cultivate a really solid um, grasp of the English language? You were spending a lot of time with French guys like DV. No, 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 damn. Uh, just before I didn't, I didn't learn anything in school, you know? So okay. that's why. But when I, I came to America, no, I didn't really hang out with DV or anyone else. I was just going out to. I was at a PC shop every day and messing around with the mechanic over there and niche every night having fun at the shop. And no, I was always out uh, for something and always with American um, people. And you know me, I went to America and uh, and I didn't want to be like. Uh, like Porcello or Ferrandis, you know. I come to America, I'm going to live like the American. And I will respect the culture and do like they do to be accepted, you know. I like that. Uh, me, that is, uh, I, yeah. I do like that approach. Like uh, You've obviously... Me, uh, go ahead. Me, when I go to America, America, I try to go every year. 
I go in the in the in the paddock, I can walk inside any team. Like if it's my house, I can go to the Kawe, to the to KTM, to Yamaha, to, because I used to be friendly with everyone. I was not a, on my side or be a dick and be like whatever, you know. Me like I was accepted by the American, and uh, and I'm thankful for all the help for anyone over there. And I cannot talk shit about anyone. You have a good thing. Good and bad people everywhere, everywhere. Fair enough, yeah. You know, it's not. I'm not the 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 French guy who say, "Oh fuck America." No, 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 no. I've they give me a lot over there, and I I learn a lot. So why talking shit, you know? And uh, and when I was over there, I was sitting in in the summer with my teammate. Not like the the, the new French ge- generation where they stay behind the summer or they don't talk to anyone. No, 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 no. I was not like that. No. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, there ha- have been some uh, some riders, not even just from France, that, that sort of uh, kind of alienate themselves. They they like uh, we, there's the famous uh, French quarter that uh, uh, Porcel kind of created for himself uh, when he was with the the various teams he was with when he was with, like uh, Star yeah. Racing and even a little bit with uh, with Pro Circuit if I if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but uh, like. Where along the line do you get connected with James Stewart, um, and how did how did you guys get along that well that you became like really really solid friends, and, and like you end up spending a lot of time around the guy, like not only just when you were racing, but then after your uh, you you quit racing in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Uh, so actually, the first race I did uh, with James it was in. In Houston, yeah, and uh, actually, my my result my result was better than him, and uh, and I remember we showed up to the test track on Tuesday, and he was uh, that's what he told me after when when I show up, he's like, "Did I got beat by the French guy?" And so I'm gonna show him today who's the boss. So I was on on a car track, and and. And I was riding, and he was just messing with me like all morning, you know, passing me in the whoops like, like I was a goon, which I was a goon in the whoops. <laughs> he messed with me all morning, and I remember one time I got pissed, and I, not like I took him out, but like I, I went in the turn and kind of like pulled him high in the turn, and and he liked it, like he liked it. And after that, he came and opened his mind and talked to me, and and we became like best buddy there was some uh, respect level there because you you you, like he was trying to kind of fox with you and you uh you gave it to him back that's pretty cool exactly and uh and uh, big james is just just a funny guy and he's you know big james talked to everyone he's like a malcolm you know and me i was the same so even if i didn't speak english back then but we used to kind of understand each other and we became like a friend it was like a family you know and uh, and it started in 2002, and and they asked me to to go to Florida, and I went to Florida, and and uh, and he told me if you if you want if you stay in Florida, I buy a house, and we live together, and I said okay, I stay here, and he buy the house, and we start to live together, and and riding every day and having fun, and it was just it was just a blast to be to ride with the baddest guy on the, on the motorcycle, you know. 
is this is just amazing and and the families are just great great people it is you know you know black people is as funny as it can be there is just it was like a funny movie every day over there with big jumps every day big jumps saying something that you you make you laugh so it was it was kind of like easy for me to be with them so i kind of like a forget a little bit, you know, my missing friends or my family. And uh, so 2002 into 2008, I was in Florida two out of three months every year. Mm. And him, he was spending a lot of time also in, in California uh, around December and January, February, you know, for the testing and all the uh, West Coast race. And now uh, when I retired uh, and... Uh, I decided to move back to France and uh, and I got a phone call from him. Say, uh, what you doing? I said, oh, I'm driving. I'm going home. Uh, him is, he said, oh, wait, from where? I said, oh, I'm in Lake Havasu, and, uh, but I'm, I'm going home for good. And he thought I was just going home to California. He said, well, uh, we need to find out. I want you to to come and ride with me and help me out to come with me to the race and uh, And uh, also, I'm going to do a reality TV show. I want you to be here with my family and me. But like, I call him, I call him, and I say, you don't understand. I'm going home to France. I'm not going home to California. And he tell me, he say, no, you're not. You're going to work for me. Hold on. Oh, okay. Merci, mon fils. Okay. Okay. Show téléphone. Okay. It's my little one. My little one. It's so, all good, man. Love and, it. Uh, and. And um, and he, and he told me, he said, no, you're not going home. You're gonna come work for me, helping me out. And uh, James never let me down before for anything, you know, because I have a lot of up and down in my life, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're far away from your family, when it's a different country, when when you're not serious because I wasn't serious, and and James was always here to help me. Big James, Sonia, and and of course Malcolm, and. Um, So I said, okay, well, when you want me to come? He's like, when can you come? I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me go, let me drive back to California. I got a bunch of stuff to sell and move out to my house and and uh, give me four or five days and I come. And uh, I was driving from Lake Havasu. I spent two months party over there and uh, had a party. No, well, yeah, two months of a party in like Gavasu, and uh, I said that was it. And uh, it that doesn't sound too bad. To sell all the stuff I have to sell. No, not too bad, but I was I was not happy. Trust me. Fair enough. I had a lot of fun, but you know, when you go home and you just by yourself, not like family or someone you love, it's 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 it was hard. It was hard, but like I say, I live and learn. And in uh, five days after, I flew to to Florida, and that's it. I stayed with him for for three, two and a half years, two and a half years, and uh, and uh, we saw doing all the riding with him and organize uh, everything to go to the race on the weekend. You know, all his gear and uh, and uh, everything he need uh, on the weekend, and uh, we did the TV show and uh, and. Uh, Yeah, I was 24/7 with him and the family. So on top of that, like you're still like you're kind of doing things with James, and 
uh, riding a fair bit. Like, but you also had your own deal. Like, you were still, you were also still racing yourself. Like, this is roughly two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, or, or were you completely done racing at this point? Because I know you did a few races for JGR late in two thousand eight. Uh, but was this after? Yeah, that? I did. Yeah, no, JGR was the last year where I raced. Yes, it was the last year where I raced because I remember in Minneapolis, uh, uh, I crashed in a uh, heat race and uh, I went back to the Semile and uh, I remember I, turn, I told uh, my mechanic, I said, oh, I'm done, finish. What do you mean you're done? I said, I'm done racing, finish. And that was my last race. I was, you know, I was, I was working for JGR I was a test rider, but also I wasn't serious, you know. I was taking drugs, taking pills, and and on the weekend off racing, as going out and taking drugs, just like a lot of like a lot of rider did and had the bad. And me, I was going to the wrong direction. And um, and uh, when James asked me to to work for him, I went back to to clear I was good not taking any drugs or nothing for two and a half years and and I decided to to stop and move back to France and uh, and I came back to California and I, I did drugs big time again really really big time and uh, and uh, one morning I, I woke up and I said that's it I go home because I wanted to go home but at the same time I was in America for 10 years and I'm like I have nothing over there anymore. And him, I, it's not like I have something in, in America also, but, you know, I didn't know people at the time in, in America. I have friends, but, uh, and uh, it was hard, hard to say, okay, bye-bye. I won't live in USA anymore. And uh, so, like I say, when I stopped with James, I went, I went back to bad drugs, drugs, Taking drugs, selling drugs, and whew, I did, I did, I did. Uh, oh, I did also. I did a how to say that. But I did a gofat for for the Mexican cartel from uh, Cali, Mexico, to Phoenix one day because we uh, we offered me a good amount of money just to to take two bags from Cali, Mexico to Phoenix. And then when I get to Cali, Mexico, uh, it ended up being four bags and no, sm- no small bags, big, big motherfucker bags. Like, and I told the guy, I remember like it was yesterday and I say, we tell me it was two small bags and, and I had to drive those bags, those bags away from here. And the guy didn't really speak too good English, it was like in a mean face, like mean face. And uh and uh and I was with Tyler Evans, the poor Tyler who who died like uh two years four ago. years after, I think. Yeah. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And um and I say, Hey Tyler, what did the guy say? Because he's Tyler understand a little bit of Spanish. But the Tyler told me say, hey, you don't want to do anymore. And I say, no, I don't, because you, we say two bags and it's four bags. And the guy put a gun in my face and he said, you want to do or you don't want to do? And I say, okay, I do. And I remember I drive from Cali, Mexico, all the way to Phoenix, next to the stadium. 
<laughs> and um, and uh, we end up to Phoenix at uh, the gas station, and we follow someone from the gas station to to like a small neighborhood, and we're following the car. We stop, and one guy came and took those bags, big bags, and big, 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 big bags. And um, I kind of know, you know, I'm not gonna. It was drugs, big drugs. And the guy gave us a big envelope, and, and I, we took the money, and I drove back to California. And I paid my bills because I had a lot of a lot of bills to pay, and I was clear and good to go home. <laughs> so, but you know what? I could have finished really bad, like like a lot of guys, but. Uh, at that point, I was like, I stay here, or I'm going. I'm gonna go to jail or die, or I go home and I start my life again from zero. From zero, so that's what I did, and um, and uh, now I'm happy, you know. I own a big house, I own a barber shop, and I own everything I have. I don't have any credit. I enjoy my life every day. I have a great wife and uh, a good son i can't complain but wow that's amazing you turned your life around like that man like literally from a story like that to to where you're at now like that's that's really amazing you were able to like take that experience and and basically have it like completely scare you straight to like just settle all your financial obligations relocate and, and and start a new life that's pretty cool yeah, it was hard. It was hard, you know, especially when you take drugs every day. Eh? I was taking around the twenty to thirty pills every day, That's and uh, and I tried to stop and I could not stop. I went to see uh, someone to do rehab. They give me more drugs, you know, in America. They give you pain pills like they give you candy over there. Oh, you you, you don't feel good. We're gonna give you this. Oh, of course you feel good, but after like three or four months, you fucked up. So you go see the guy. Say. Hey, those pills, they don't work for me. I'm fucked up. Oh, let me give you some other one to try. Oh, you're feeling good. And after three months, you're more fucked up than the first time you went to see him. So I switched the light. From one second to another second, I stopped taking any pills. It was really bad. I could not sleep at night. I was sleeping in, in the tub with the cold water on me because... All my body was just like uh, shaking and stuff. It was bad. <laughs> I didn't have that easy to stop the drugs. It was easy to take, but no easy to stop. But I did it. I did it. And uh, like I say, I did some crazy stuff after that. Keep in the biz, and and since then, I haven't touched any drugs in the past ten years, and I haven't drink any glass of alcohol. Okay, so you're completely sober for ten years. That's 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 oh, really yes, really yes, cool. Yes, Congratulations, yes. man. Yeah, yeah. It was not easy, but I did it. How often do you? Uh, how often do you still get on a motorcycle? Like, obviously, you you do some uh, some instruction and you do your schools, and uh, but how often do you still uh, get behind the controls of a motocross bike? Nope, I don't. Sometimes. When I do some motocross school, I put a helmet on and do a few turns, but that's it. The only time I will ride again a motorcycle, it's when James decides to ride half day of Supercross with me. And when he decides to put the gear on and do some ride, I flew over there with my wife and my son, so my son can see where I used to live. 
and you can see his dad how he used to ride a motorcycle and spend half a day to ride with James and that's it. Okay. Fair enough. That's it. That that's what that's I tell him say I tell James say when one day you're ready you tell me I buy my, I buy a ticket plane and I show up. But no I don't ride anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough to 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 be able to walk every day. You know, this part is the crash doesn't pay good sometimes. You know, you crash and, and life is done. So I'm lucky enough to, to, to be able to do whatever I want with my legs. So that's why I don't I don't want to spend time on a motorcycle. And yeah. if I we do one day to ride with James, are we are we take it really seriously? Because uh, even when you ride the motocross just for fun and just for fun can end up uh, really bad. I know that firsthand. Uh, two Saturdays ago, although it's snowing outside right now, it wasn't, and uh, I ended up dislocating my shoulder uh, off uh, just the first ride of the year. hadn't ridden in six months, so if you if you don't respect dirt bikes, they will definitely uh, put you on your ear really quickly. Um, what's your take on like James from like 2016? Basically, like his it was a dreadful year sort of went into like a self-imposed exile. We didn't hear from him um, at all. A couple of like uh, media obligations with his uh, like kind of ride days and stuff like that. Um, but like, w- like I don't know how, how much in contact you were with him. I think he, he kind of like, I don't think he talked to too many people at all. I think he golfed a lot, but like how often do you still get in touch with James? Um like, what are your thoughts on that whole scenario altogether? Like, yeah, go. But that's that's James. James. James is a really, he's not like a Malcolm or Big James. So he's just reserved. Okay. And uh, that's that's how James is. You know, even when he used to win race, sometimes we didn't him hear from him for two or three days. That's James. So when you know, you understand. When you don't know him you will be always a dick. So you have to know before you talk. Okay. So, yeah, he went, it was really hard for James, you know, because uh, he's black. And, uh, and in America, you can, you can tell me how you want, but when you're black, you are not too much welcome. It's, it's, I've been with James every freaking day at the race. And I, I see and I heard so many things because it was black, you know. And it, it was not easy for him, you know. When when before the main event, uh, you're, waiting, uh, you're waiting for the open ceremony and you have like like a fan and say, hey, James, James, and him is waving at them and to say hi. Before the open ceremony, and when you have some people telling you, oh, you, you f, uh, black and da 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 da, and him, he didn't really uh, accepted this, you know, and uh, it was it was really hard for him when he was on top of the game, you know, because every time he gets second, everyone was like, what happened? Eh? What happened? Eh? I just get second. I cannot win every weekend. Plus this, plus like you know, like because it was black and all, all, all this 
when sometimes he can switch off and he didn't know, didn't want to talk or to the media or to anyone, and that's what he did, you know. And it's 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 weird when you don't know him, but for me, it's not weird. That's James, and you got people got to respect that. Yes, of course, James can be at the race every weekend like Ricky right now. He can put like a monster hat and still making a bunch of money because James is James. James can do open ceremony lap and make 100 grand or 200 grand a year by doing this. Of course he can, but he, he chooses not to. He, he's not ready yet. He's not maybe ready to 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 hear every weekend, oh, you got fat. Maybe he's not ready for this yet. Maybe, oh, I don't know. I don't talk to him often. I still talk to him once in a while. I talk to Malcolm a lot, and but you got to respect that, you know, and and it's not a surprise for me what he did and how the how he ended up of racing. But we got to accept it because the guy when he was behind the starting gate, he's giving more than hundred and ten percent every them weekend. So yeah, sucks. People say oh, he could have win more race, but he could, but he didn't. Why he didn't? Because he could not do anymore. You cannot win. He started winning when he was 16. You cannot win for 10 years. The only smart rider, no, smart, but the only, yeah, it's a, it's a dungy. He won, he won, he won. He won the championship in Vegas. And you know, it was really hard. And he did. He didn't want to go to motocross. Just to end up winning. He's the only one. Yeah, you want to like, yeah, go out a winner. Like the same thing with uh, Ricky did the exact same thing. Like Ricky won the last race that he ever competed in in the entire like, in the whole sport. Mm -hmm. Mike drop and there's so many guys. Like uh, I, I was a Chad Reed fan growing up. Obviously, he wasn't my number one guy. Obviously, I had uh, uh, James on my wall more than anybody. Um, but like, and it's cool that that fans got to see him as recently as maybe even last year. But I don't think there's a lot of guys, especially guys like say James or Ricky who could like ride around and, and be 10th or even worse and, and, and be okay with that. Like, I, I don't think that was ever going to be James whatsoever. And, and honestly, like for those who don't like, didn't follow a lot of his career when, when like James even talked about pressure uh, on him in the championship as far back as 2003 when he was talking about like how like it's not just when uh when fans when he'd get second and people were like hey what's going on he'd be even his his teammates and his team would be like he'd come in from a second place and they'd be like hey what's going on like it like what's like you win that's all you do and, and he, he even said that that he said it then that that is pressure like that to have the the closest people around you uh sort of have one eyebrow raised when you don't come across the, the finish line in first place. Um, and, and that, that's a, a heavy weight to carry for, for 10 years, man. Like, like literally every time that guy, the gate dropped, that guy was expected to win and nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, like you say, it was, it was really hard. And he say, uh, it was really hard for him. You know, he came second and people was not happy, but yeah. him, he was happy, but so, we got the respect, you know, everyone is different and, and, uh, that's it. That's it. Nothing enough, else man. to say about this. 
Um, I, I know I probably have to get let you get going here right away here because you got dinner uh, in in Portugal. But uh, this has been awesome. Uh, last couple of questions for you before I let you go. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Go ahead. All right. Uh, your favorite race bike uh, throughout your career? Like if you could, if you could have that bike back again, uh, maybe not to ride 03, it, just to look at it. PCO three. Okay. Uh, aside from uh, Pr Travis Preston, who is your greatest rival, and who did you like racing against the most? Fonseca. Why Fonseca? Because we used to uh, motocross. We used to end up always bat battering him and I all moto and passing back each other with big respect and always. And Ernesto was a great friend and and uh, yeah. I enjoy racing with him because he he was on a factory Honda. Yes, on a one twenty five. See, yes, one twenty five. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, or two or three. And uh, it was great. It was great to to battle with uh, Ernesto. Who is your favorite and, uh, teammate? Respect. Favorite teammate? Can I name two? Yes. <laughs> Matt Walker, because that guy was just amazing crazy weird whatever you want to say but it's just at the end he's a big teddy bear even if he's showing different different style and looking when you see him yeah and to, my walker was just he tried to act yeah, up, I I think, more it. than anything yeah he, he loved acting he loved even those days on instagram he's just funny and and and, and matt is a, a great great teammate and um ivan tedesco Tedesco, yeah, when you guys were racing yeah. four strokes. Yeah, yeah, yes. He was a nice guy, and I always enjoy uh, uh, Ivy. Yeah, that's my two uh, favorite teammates. Before I let you go, best uh, um, James, like James Sr. story, Big James. What's your best Big James story? Man, I can write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's too many. I've, I don't even know. That's ah, too many. Uh, Big James, it was just too, too, too many, too many good things to say about him and funny things. And I don't even have one to tell you now because it's going through my mind like so many things. So too many to yeah. know. Maybe maybe we could get you on another time uh, to to hash some of those out. Uh, an hour and twenty minutes, uh, probably longer than uh, you thought you'd end up talking to me. But uh, this has been awesome, Eric. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to run through all this stuff. Uh, I I do think that there's going to have to be a, a a part two at some point whenever you're uh, feeling up to it. Uh, but this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Nari. I appreciate to be on the podcast, and and thank you again. Yeah, we can do we can do a part two uh, another time. And uh, I, I I have so much to say about it. We we did talk for around twenty minutes, but I can talk for five hours because we we did talk about we didn't talk about you know the the the, the the trainers or the the, the 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 drugs and this and this and that. There's more to, to know about motocross and what's going on sometimes. But we talk 
we we talk a part two when uh one day when I know I want need to to be and uh, I have more to say, but right now I gotta be quiet. Fair enough. But one day enough. we do. Maybe maybe we 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 we, we do a big interview. This one is big, but we we do like biggest. Okay, well we'll be looking forward to that one sometime down the line. Eric Sorby on the Big MX yep. Radio podcast. We thank you so much for your time this evening uh, and uh, and all the memories uh, that you had throughout your career. Appreciate watching you race over the years. Uh, do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there. Well, there you have it, everybody. My podcast with the great Eric Sorby. I hope you guys really enjoyed that podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. Some crazy stories in there. And uh, um, one of the things that I'm really trying to do with Big MX Radio is um, dig deeper into kind of motocross history, grab some stories that you may may not have heard before, uh, in addition to reacting to the races and covering the current Supercross and Motocross series. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. If you are, please send me a direct message, bradgebhart88 on Instagram or uh, BigMX Radio on Instagram, or you can always uh, send me an email at uh, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening and have yourself a great rest of your day.